we ended up last year building out what we call our customer activation team. You're in the product. You're like, hey, I'm struggling to get this list imported or how do I set up the right segmentation in this automation? Their job is not to qualify you or figure out if you're who you should talk to. Their only job is, that's a great question, Tom. Do you want to jump on a Zoom and answer that right now? Like, I'll walk you through it. Hello and welcome to this episode of Confessions of a B2B Marketer. My name is Tom Hunt, your host, and today we have Shay Howe, who is the CMO of Active Campaign. He's been there from 100 to roughly 1,000 employees, from roughly 25 mil ARR to over 150 mil ARR. And today, first, we understand the role or the journey he's been on to become the CMO, and then we dig into different strategies that have worked to grow Active Campaign over that time period. You're going to love it. Before we jump into that, if you would like Fame to give you a free podcast growth audit, so if you have your own show and you're a B2B business, click the link below and myself or someone in the team will personally audit the growth prospects of your show. We'll send it over roughly 48, 72 hours after you submitted that form and hopefully that's going to add value to you. So Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Shay. Shay, welcome to the show. Tom, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So it's been, it seems like an incredible journey at Active Campaign. So 100 to roughly 1,000 employees since you joined. And then also from my research, roughly 25 million ARR to the last, I think, public revenue share was, was 150. And that was two years ago. What a great journey. How's it been? Yeah, it's been an incredible journey. I've been here, just to keep that in perspective, about six years, maybe six years next month. And I started, we were about 100 employees, as you mentioned, and broaching 1,000. When I started, we were roughly put it in the 30 or 25 to 30 million revenue. Last week's stated it was 165 million, and that was a little over two years ago. So it's significantly beyond that. And just, yeah, an incredible ride. And I should say, I probably haven't said it yet, your CMO, but your route to that role it seems to me to be quite unconventional. So if you could just share where you started in Active Campaign and the journey you went on, and then finally, it'll be great to know about why that experience equipped you to be a great CMO today. Yeah, I probably have one of the more unconventional paths, without a doubt. And I honestly had, when I started at Active Campaign, as you told me I would be the CMO, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I'd be like, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see that being the, the role. But I'll explain it and I'll walk through it because I think it is interesting and I think it makes sense in the end and it's actually, it fits very well. But my background is, it's in design. That's honestly what I went to school for. But it was more in design in the sense of how to use design to solve a problem. I wanted to look good, obviously, but looking good should not trump or take over the ability for it to actually create value or solve someone's problem. And throughout my career, that's led me deeper into engineering. Where I was like, hey, can, you know, I'm designing this, but how feasible is it to build? Am I overcomplicating this or changing the scope to a difficult level? So I went deeper in engineering. In engineering, I was like, all right, we're building these things, but I don't know if people want them or there's value behind this. I kind of went deeper into the product management side to do a bit more just fundamental market research and development there. And that led me deeper into product where it's like, well, you can also create demand and interest. You can get folks excited about something and move them. So throughout my career, I've been hyper growth, B2B SaaS startups. And in those roles, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything. So that path organically, I think, has pegged me more as a generalist, but served me well in those types of orgs. And that's exactly how it's played out at Active Campaign. When I started, the idea was, hey, come in and lead the design team. And design being both product design, brand design, and just help usher that forward. But 
talking to Jason, our founder CEO today, I like, you know, I love the gray areas of an org too, where there's probably some opportunity over there, but we're not quite sure how to organize it or honestly who should own that because it doesn't necessarily fall cleanly within one team. I love to chase those. And I was in the company a month or two and we, we didn't have anyone leading engineering at that point. It came to this kind of threshold. It was like, hey, there's no doubt things we could go improve on the design side. I'm not sure we're going to be able to build it. I'm just not sure it's actually going to get to market. Jason was like, that makes sense. You should lead design and engineering. So not the world's best to go do that, honestly. I'd consider myself, I know enough to be dangerous on the engineering side, but it was one where, let me go out and hire some good leaders. Let me help them understand the vision of the company. And let me help put up some guardrails around processes that enable them to do their best work. I did that for close to a year and we went out and hired a CTO, which we needed to do. But at that point, it's kind of interesting. Jason's like, that went, that went well. You should flip-flop engineering for marketing. You should keep design and then go pick up marketing. And I don't think anyone has ever made like that turn <laughs> in an org. But it was, it was one of the same things where it was you know, a smaller marketing team at that time. And it was, come in, help that team grow, build it out into the different disciplines or functions we need, but help them understand the vision and lead them forward. And I did that for a little over two years to a point to where I'm spending a million dollars a month in paid acquisition. We're doing a bunch of different things. And I'm like, hey, Jason, we should actually go hire a CMO. We should get someone who's done this before who could allow us to scale at an incredible pace. And having sat on the R&D side of the business and the go-to-market side, all these strategic conversations and potential acquisitions always fall in my lap. And we're a company that is it's an automation platform and it's only as good as the integrations you have and the data you're bringing into it. So let me go build out a partnership management team. Let me build out a developer relations team so we can recruit more partners into the platform. And there's probably an acquisition too that we keep talking about that we should just go take on. I thought you actually stepped aside from marketing for almost two years to go build out those functions of the business. So we built out a platform strategy team that is leading all the kind of the internal strategies, but also all the partner management side, developer relations is in there. And then we went out and acquired a company called Postmark and did a few other small things. And I got to lead all of that and kind of set that up. But it was you know, a little over a year ago, Jason came back and said, hey, you know what? What you were doing in marketing a few years ago was, was working. It was that idea of product-led growth before product-led growth was the thing, was the buzzword of the day. And that so tightly fits just our company and the, the origins we've had. And, and would you be interested in jumping back into that? So last October, jumped back in and then the marketing team alongside still the platform strategy team. We kind of just joined up forces and have been running the broader kind of go-to-market team there. But I fundamentally think the idea of the CMO has changed in that last six years too, where... You know, even when we were hiring a CMO, it was one of, I was always looking for someone who had two sides of the same coin to me. It was, are they a good performance marketer? Do they understand the quant side and the paid end of it? But do they not over lean on that so much that they also have consideration for the brand and the growth of what can happen on that side? And I think you need both because they'll lift each other up. I think that's still true, but that lens of product-led growth and just where marketing fits into the ethos of literally every piece of the company has fundamentally changed. And like my background, their design and product kind of fit and suit that very well. So we found a good groove, I'd say, in the last year from that. Yeah, I think your ability to get things done when you have this deep expertise and relationships in these other core functions of the, of the business must be unrivaled. Bringing on in a new CMO who would obviously be amazing, but wouldn't have that understanding or relationships would could be a risk. So this makes total sense. I was recording an episode yesterday with a guy called Bill. He used to be like CMO, Slack, Zendesk, etc. Maybe you know him. Anyway, and the first question I ask is like, day to day, what does a CMO like actually do? And one of the answers I got was 
performance management, leadership and management, which I know that you're passionate about as well. And so my question is, is that a big chunk of your role? I'm going to assume it's going to be yes. And then the follow up is, do you have anything to share to other marketing leaders listening about how they can better lead or manage their teams? Ooh, that's a good question. That is certainly a decent chunk of it. I don't think that's unique to marketing, though. Honestly, I think as you hit different senior level roles throughout an organization, inevitably, a good portion of your time is going to go into the investment of just the people in your team, but their relationships, their influence cross-functionally, like tying all that together. So yeah, a significant piece of just that to me has not changed throughout my career, whether it's leading product design or marketing. It's always been, how do you get back to the team and invest in them? One thing I think about is the sense of, I'm very rarely the smartest person in the room, if ever. And the thought of there's always something I can learn from someone else. It's kind of my responsibility to figure out what that is and bring that out of them. And I'll take the same approach to the team in that we want to go do something. We have a challenge. I don't want to be so directive to say, hey, here's what we need to go do. And I need you to take this on. And here's how to do that. More of the sense of here is an opportunity we have. How do we tackle it? What is the right way to actually get our arms around it? What ideas do you all have that support that? Where is their passion about those ideas and how they align or build influence in the team? And let's go get that. Let's structure that out and let the team actually take it. And the beautiful thing there is honestly, they're going to come up with better ideas than I probably can. And when it is their idea, they're or tend to own it, run with it, see it through to success. That's a very sweet spot to actually lead and grow a team. And I'll be honest, not one that came naturally to me. Even some days, like the, the mind just goes to problem. Oh, how do we solve it? What's the solution? Let's just get to that. I'm still guilty of doing that from day to day, but just knowing to take a step back and like, just ask the team for a minute, what do you all want to do here? What would make the most sense? So yeah, it's you have teams, you build them for a reason. Like you use them to that advantage. In basic case scenario, you work yourself out of a job so that you can go focus on other different things because you know, they're eventually running it for you. It also sounds that the active campaign founder CEO has done a pretty awesome job at I don't want to say of managing and leading you, right? To bring you throughout the organization. Is there anything that he does? that like in this world of management and leadership that you think is exceptional? Ooh, yeah, Jason and I, we are very much alike, honestly. We both grew up in small towns in the Midwest of the United States. You, know, so you could think about a lot of farms and small populations in areas where you work hard and your integrity is your most prized asset. Doing what you're saying you're going to do and doing that honorably. Something just in that part of the country we think so much about uh, and value. And I think Jason has done well to build that into the culture of our business, where the sense of ownership you have is not just one of ownership of this project, but it is ownership of the business and how you think it should evolve and grow. And it's not just my pocket of it, but I can reach across it and fundamentally should in ways I have ideas or I think we could improve. And the other end of that is just staying maniacally close to our customers in this sense of there's no shortage of things we could do and no shortage of things that are really good ideas for the business. But most of those should come from our customers and we should be tight to them to really fundamentally make sure one, they're just having the absolute best experience and are pleased with what they're actually receiving. But also just in, okay, in the window where you don't enjoy or appreciate something, what is that? And how can we improve that? And if that's a thing around a quality of an experience, let's dig into that. If there's a feature missing, let's talk about that and dig into that but let's not lose sight of them either throughout all that we do. Now, I'd be remiss to my audience of B2B demand gen marketers 
if we didn't try and get some specific strategies. We've been on this journey, let's say 6x revenue over six years, roughly, and you've been architecting slash witnessing this. Plus you have this over 150,000 SMB business customers, right? And so what I want to run through is a few like growth strategies or programs. And if you can share anything about what Active Campaign is doing, have done, that would be awesome for the audience. And so mentioned it already, PLG, you're doing this back in the day and potentially you're doing some more stuff here. Anything you can share? I think PLG is going through one of those moments where you can say PLG and it becomes this black hole of like, well, what does that really mean? Or what that means to you, Tom, can be fundamentally different than what it means to me. It can be fundamentally different than what it means to someone else. So I think when I think about PLG, I'm in its simplest form, and this is dangerous because simplifying things can be just finally miss some stuff. But if I were to scaffold this out, there are basically three things you, I would think about in PLG. And I'd say this has been super active campaign and I can go through here's what we've done in the past and what's worked well. And here's how we're kind of thinking about that as we move forward. The first one is you're designing for the end user. It goes back to really knowing the customer. It's truly understanding who we serve and what they need. And this idea that we're going to consistently improve and iterate to solve their problems more effectively. That is such a large chunk of what we're doing. And some of that doesn't sound like marketing, but so much of that then starts to fall into the go-to-market motion, right? So things you might see in that is just, okay, how do I probably start a new account? So for us, we've thought a lot about, let's give them self-service implementation tools. They can import their contacts. You can upload a spreadsheet or you can connect to a different platform. How do you migrate data in that? So just how do you actually bring data into the platform? but allow you to do it to just get started and not gate it behind someone or make it overly complex. Same extent to that, when you think about the platform strategy side of marketing is probably have integrations that fundamentally allow us to extend the functionality of our platform, but take data from other places, enrich it, and then fundamentally build automation into other tools. Like that idea of integrations actually is one of the kind of go-to-market motions we have. Designing for the end user is also just being transparent. Here's our pricing. Generally speaking, usage-based, but we have intuitive plan tiers around it so that it's not so complicated to be like, I just have to talk to someone to figure out your pricing or that it's gated behind. I just can't even find it. It's been kind of what we've been doing. I would say we're going much deeper into how do you actually onboard someone, right? And that how do you have these like, quick start guides to get them into the product quickly? How do you have the lowest touch onboarding possible for them? And are there ways where we can allow them to self-service and find their own support solutions and pathways, be it in-app or outside of it? And that is one that's just continually evolving as we evolve the product and change it. But it's one of, we truly want to make this as simple as possible for you and understanding what you're looking for and getting that to you as quickly as possible. So a heavy degree of personalization goes into that from us. The second bucket of that would be are we delivering more value than we're capturing? And very specifically, making sure we're doing that upfront. So this idea of, are we giving customers something we value, or excuse me, they're going to value before we expect something in return? And this is a largely, starts to revolve around time to value. So it is, we have some of those self-service tools, but other things on the go-to-market side, like, do we offer a free trial? What is the stance of that free trial? Do we allow extensions to it? How do we put the tutorials, education, and resources out there? Do we offer sandbox accounts? Are APIs open? Things like that that we've just kind of always historically done and allowed people to opt into. We've rewired a lot of our go to market motion in the last year where I can give you a story maybe that kind of highlights what this is. And as we're thinking about how do we provide that value, it's like one thing we should probably get really good at is 
the way we implement live chat, be it on our marketing website or in the product when you're in that trial. And we wanted to build out some chatbots there to say, hey, what page are you on? Or what have you clicked through? Can we start to actually personalize that experience down to what you might be doing? And rather than saying, hey, Tom, how can I help you today? Say something to the degree of, hey, you started to send a campaign. It looks like you haven't made it. Are you struggling with one of these three things? Or like start to zone in on that. So I just started to look at tools that could help us to do that. And I just had very specific questions around that. Can I build a chat bot? Does it allow some segmentation around this? Does it integrate into Zendesk or other tools we have so that we could get it routed to the right teams? And so many of the experiences I have just testing other tools, basically I ran into a wall where it was like, you may or may not be able to figure this out. You probably have to ask someone. And then if you want pricing on that, you definitely have to talk to someone. And so I remember one product specifically, I basically was figured out, all right, I think this is going to work, but I have no idea what it's going to cost. So let me submit the form and see if I can get someone to send me some pricing. And what I get back is basically a Calendly link that is, hey, accept some time. I want to talk to you. And in that, okay, fine, I'll find some time. But that takes a week to actually set up a meeting for us. On that call, it is someone who's asking me, what's my use case? How do I intend to use the product? What's my timeline? What's my budget? Never gave me pricing. And said, hey, I can set you up with someone else who can give you pricing. I was so frustrated. I was just like, you, all the questions you just asked me, you could have answered by looking at what I've been doing in your platform. I've told you exactly basically what I'm trying to do. I've created a trial. I even set up some chatbots. Like, just please send me pricing. And I was like, how? How much of that do we do to our own customers at Active Campaign? Where they just they come in, they're trying to see if we can do one thing for them. And if they can't figure that out, how hard is it for them to get that answer? Like, how easily is it for them to actually connect with someone and just get that answered? So we ended up last year building out what we call our customer activation team. And their entire job is they sit somewhere in that middle between what could be sales or be a customer experience or service where you're in the product and you're like, hey, I'm struggling to get this list imported or how do I set up the right segmentation in this automation? Their job is not to qualify you or figure out if you're who you should talk to. Their only job is, that's a great question, Tom. Do you want to jump on a Zoom and answer that right now? Like, I'll walk you through it. And so we built out a team around the globe and several different languages where that's all they do. And the entire idea is how do we get folks to that aha moment and support them to actually just getting that question answered? And best we can do it, let's do it in that first touch. If it's a big integration or some complex use case, we probably got to like separate that out or bring that in other teams. But most questions that come in, honestly, we can answer in that first experience. And let's not be afraid to actually sit down with them on a video call to do that because that's just going to blow them out of the water in terms of the customer experience. So... We've completely rethought how we actually think about that, how we're delivering value before we ask to capture it. I think the last bucket then, and this is maybe one of the more obvious ones in PLG, but it's that idea of how do you invest in the product with a go-to-market motion intent? So are you using the product as a driver for go-to-market? And for us, like way back in the day, this is this idea that if you send an email, we can have it say sent by active campaign in the bottom. Or if you're using an active campaign form embedded on your website, I can say, powered by active campaign, or if you have a landing page that you built with active campaign, it's like built with active campaign. So it's an easy way to refer people back to active campaign. And that happens in the hundreds of thousands every month right now. Like it's a large driver for us. There's also just the idea of we have 185,000 paying customers. We can turn those all into ambassadors and referrers for us. So let's reward them for doing so. And now we have a pipeline of word of mouth that's just absolutely incredible. As we're thinking about like where that goes, we're thinking a little deeper around what are the other cues in product or elsewhere where we could be working with someone? So this idea of you took an action in the product, 
what is the next best action we want you to take? And there's some things in there where you can be creative and drive things through a marketing lens. For example, would be you built your first automation or you just built out a series of those. And I can see that you've activated all of those. Now might be the time to ask you to add users to your account because you just turned on a lot of different things. You might want to share with others or give them some preview or let them go see the reports of how this is working. Well, the good news is some of our pricing works off user seats. So we're hitting you right at this moment where you're invested, you're feeling good about what you accomplished, and we're asking you to share. And it's, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. Sure, I'll add these. I'll add a seat to let Shay in to see some of this. We're thinking more deeply about that. Like, what are those moments where folks could do something that would expand some of their value? As well as opposite of that, of someone that's left us or is in a dormant account, they haven't taken an activity for a long time. How do we re-engage them? How do we bring them back to the product to do something? Or if they've churned and we notice that that churn's been on month 10 since they left and they told us they're going to competitor, maybe we can assume they're on an annual contract and then start to reach back out to them and pull that in. We have a lot of things moving there. And honestly, all of that's automated at this point. So it's not like we got to pull this and then go send a big campaign. It's one of, let's just build that evergreen into what we do basically every day. So long answer. But. A long answer, but a great one. I love the adding or sending prompts to add users to expand revenue based on actions. That's just epic. It seems like a lot of this comes back down to point two, I think, which is just ensuring that anybody that comes to you, whether they're a free user or not, has an incredible experience. And they're more likely to want to put active campaign in the footer of the email or they're more likely to be a free trial user, but is actually bringing you more cash because they tell everybody about you guys. So we ticked off two of the points in the answer. We got PLG and we got one that I had for customer experience. Next one, I'd love to touch on if possible. I know Active Campaign has a domain rating of nine zero out of 100. How have we been leveraging that or how have we leveraged that in the path to bring in customers? Yeah, yeah. Man, it's such a, like a blessing to have and one that testament to all the team's hard work to get that there. Like You just don't get that overnight. That is the product of several, several years, consistent content marketing, being of value to where we can build backlinks and drive folks to it. So... One of which, I just want to shout out to the team. That does not come easy. And what's fun is as we hire, that's one of the things folks often look at. They're like, oh man, I've had to fight so hard to get to this point. Coming in with some of the foundations there, we can move much quicker. And I'd say that's where where we're finding a lot of that leverage. And this idea that we can test and experiment on things across our site. We're not thinking about, let's say it's just organic SEO and we're Hey, we want to, we have an idea. Maybe it's some programmatic SEO. We want to scale out, build some pages, be it maybe it's off, off integrations or a customer story kind of marketplace. We can spin that up and find out if that's going to work to some degree of certainty in days, week or two. It is not a the field of dreams where you build it and then you got to wait six months and see did, did that pay off? Is it going to have a lift? Like that stuff comes much faster to us, and it's a beautiful thing, but. We will do further experimentation. We'll spin up pages, test things. And the beauty is from an SEO side, we can know what that value is going to be relatively quickly. Or I'd say more historically, folks are used to waiting out months to quarters, even a year to say, is that really going to work? But the main authority we have, it's pretty quick. Got it. Makes total sense. You threw out the term earlier, a million dollars per month on paid spend. Now... I would love to know anything that worked particularly well, or maybe even something that didn't work, like what type of platform, what, what kind of thrashy. Yeah, there's paid is an interesting one in that it's getting really hard to do. The cost of that is 
scaling in a number of different ways, just as it's more competitive, but also, frankly, as just the platforms raise the price of it, honestly. For us, there's a lot we've learned around attribution of just like how well is that working or not. And a couple of things where a lot of what we're doing has been historically first touch. And what we'll see is when you're spending a million dollars a month on that, one is you're going to see lift in other channels that's not paid. So the influence of paid, if you just look at your pure attribution of paid, you're actually probably missing a piece of it. And you've got to actually spread out that lens to say, what else is this influencing? And I can almost guarantee the bet you're going to see a lift in what would be direct organic. So it could be someone literally just typing in your URL. It could be someone doing a brand search for you in a search engine. We see all that stuff go up, quite honestly, through paid. And if we just look at the paid stats of what we're doing, you don't get the clearest picture. So as you think about the efficacy of what you're spending, your CAC to payback periods, LTV, et cetera, you got to broaden that horizon a little bit. The other side of that is one where we've been fortunate enough to grow to a point to where the brand we have is strong, but a lot of people also bid on it. So there's a non-trivial portion of our spend every month that just goes into some defensibility there, making sure our competitors aren't going to be above us when someone Googles active campaign. It's frustrating. It's a lot of areas where you would think, hey, like we're organically, we can pick that up. So it should be free for us. No, we still have to spend to do it. Fortunately, we want to spend as much as the competitors because we'll have better quality of support from surgeons on that. But it's we still have to do that. The other thing you're going to see is at that level of spend, quite honestly, it will cannibalize your organic search. Like what you've done to get keyword rankings, you're probably going to start to bid on some of those same terms as well. And folks will start to click through the ads because they're going to show up higher than not. And somewhat inevitable. As we play with that volume of spend, we'll drop it and pull it down and we'll see organic come up off of that. And so some days we're like, oh, and maybe we shouldn't spend as much because organic will catch up to it. And that's great. But the opposite side of that is we're missing a lot of the paid influence, be it through view through conversions, offline conversions, and the other channels that will come up on it. So there's a delicate balance and dance there that we're kind of always continually doing and experimenting with. The final one I want to touch on, and I'm not even sure if you guys are doing this, but it's outbound. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? And how does it work? Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Or just anything like, because I wasn't sure you guys did that, but anything over the past six or so years that you're aware of that like a strategy that worked or or doesn't work or didn't work? Yeah. Outbound for us is relatively newer, quite honestly. When I started, everything was inbound and, and was for several years. We will do tens of thousands of new trials every single month. And so for us, it's, it was literally just, can we keep up with that volume? As we've built out more self-service tooling and flows there, folks are more organically able to just self-service in. We will have customers by the thousand sign up every single month that we don't have to talk to. We don't. It's one of, if we're here, if you need us, and absolutely, we would love to help you. But if you don't, we don't want to get in your way either. Let's let you through. We've looked at Outbound in a way of, how do we use Outbound to build incremental revenue? It's a fundamental different game where those folks inbound, they have an intent. They've expressed some value or need they're looking to solve. Outbound is us going out to folks and trying to build that intent. So we've structured and built out a team, I'd say, more formally in the last year to do that. And we're still figuring out exactly how that should click or come together. But there's the obvious things that are working and winning. And that's just, hey, let's do retargeting against some of the outbound lists we have. So we have target accounts we're trying to capture. 
let's go into LinkedIn and make sure that we've identified the personas we believe we could sell to those organizations. We're running some ads against them. Let's get personal against what those are too. So we're speaking to them. The other end of that and working well for us is actually doing that through a vertical approach. So this idea of it's not just, hey, we want anyone who works in a business with greater than 10 people who is in a sales and marketing leadership role. That's like, you're going to boil the ocean trying to figure that out. When we just sell that down to a vertical, it works well. So when we say, hey, let's go target folks who are still in those organizations, greater than 10 people are in a sales and marketing leadership role, but they're also in e-commerce based business and they're in North America. Then we can actually really tighten down to what that messaging is. We can share or show that messaging far more often through some of the retargeting. And then if we structure that with a mix of what is the ads versus the human touch of someone emailing and or calling or finding someone on LinkedIn, like trying to find the right way in, that has been far more successful. The idea that you're going to win an outbound by building the biggest list, I think is actually wrong. You get a smaller list and tighter on it allows you to actually have more focus, more opportunities at bat with those folks. And we found that can work well. And then we can also just rotate that out to build in different verticals over time so that we still have a great total market size for us. But if we try and do it all at once, it's just not going to work. So I think getting narrow in that outbound approach is what we're learning works well, but we're still early in that. Ask me that question again in a year and I might have a different answer for you. Amazing. Shay, my favorite episode is where we can talk like higher level stuff that maybe isn't like marketing specific, like management leadership that we got through at the start, but then when we can also get specific on strategies and we managed to hit both of them here. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. We're obviously going to link to Active Campaign. We're obviously going to link to your LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else we should send people to? Ooh, no, those two places are great. Honestly, I'm most active on LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot over a message request. I'd love to hear from folks if they have any questions or frankly, if you're a customer of Active Campaign or you're looking at a tool like Active Campaign, I want feedback. Let me know what's working, what's not. would love to chat with folks. And then obviously activecampaign.com would be a great place. And to those product web growth sides, we sign up for free trial, kick the tires, see if it, it can help you out. And if it can, wonderful. If it can't, let me know why not. So yeah, those would be the two spots. Shay's LinkedIn DMs are open. We also have to give a shout out to Casey Hill, who is the person who introed us. So Casey, absolute legend of a marketer. Shout out, we'll link him below. Shay, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Tom, thank you for having me. This has been fun. And there we go. Hope you enjoyed that. As I mentioned, we got the high level management leadership, fluffy stuff at the start, but then we also got some tactical specifics. Shout out to Fame for producing this show. That's fame.so. We start and grow podcasts for B2B businesses. Thanks to Shay for coming on and thank you for listening.